Hey now, we are getting over an I am the silver team. Adam Silverstein here to lead you through these hard times that uh, with our first breaking news instant analysis edition of Getting Over. That's right, we are coming to you just minutes after the conclusion of WWE Raw went off the air on Monday night to cover everything that happened one night after WWE Money in the Bank. Speaking of that, if you have not already heard our Money in the Bank instant analysis show, go ahead, pause this episode, I'll give you a second, and listen to our one-hour breakdown of WWE's first pay-per-view since WrestleMania 36. That's the pause. Now, before we get to the big news from Monday night, a reminder to follow us on Twitter, at Getting Overcast. Drop those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to fine wrestling audio. Also, don't forget, tell a friend, a couple friends, a few family members about the show. Please and thank you. Chris Vanini is with me to break down the fallout from Money in the Bank, the big news from Raw, and what it all means for WWE going forward. And to do that, we enter the main event. And the main event starts with the first segment from Raw on Monday night as Becky Lynch, the Raw Women's Champion, relinquished her title and Asuka became the new champion. And why did all of this happen? Because Becky Lynch, as they say, is with child. The man is pregnant. The first time in WWE history that a champion has relinquished a title due to pregnancy. Uh, Becky told People Magazine in a story that came out shortly after the announcement on Raw that she and Seth Rollins, her fiance, learned of the pregnancy in April. They were set to wed in May, but obviously that got postponed due to coronavirus. And currently she is not thinking about her in-ring future. She is focused on motherhood. Obviously, if she just found out, there is a long way to go. So you're talking about an extended absence for Becky Lynch at least through the end of the year, most likely all the way to WrestleMania next season, maybe even beyond that. So Chris, the segment itself on Raw, it was handled perfectly, honestly, by Becky Lynch, Asuka, and WWE. I don't think you could ask for more. Everyone stayed completely true to character. The reveal of the Raw Women's Championship in the briefcase was a nice touch, and it made total storyline sense in terms of Becky and WWE kind of announcing that she would confront the women's Money in the Bank winner the following night on Raw. That doesn't mean that the announcement was handled well. You know, we all figured that they spoiled the surprise because um, they did mention that it was guaranteed to happen and that meant that someone from Raw would win. But we certainly did not expect what happened here. So for me, this was an absolute A plus in terms of a segment, a storyline it was clearly thought through. Um, it provides more impact to what happened at Money in the Bank. And now you have Asuka, and we'll talk about her a lot more in the in the future, who is now one of the most accomplished women's wrestlers in WWE history. So it's checkmark after checkmark for me. What did you think about the way Raw opened up on Monday night? Yeah, well, I mean, first, congratulations to uh, Rebecca Quinn and, uh, and, and, and Seth as well. Uh, Big news. I mean, it, it was it was an emotional ride listening yeah. to Becky go through that speech because she first you're confused because she has the the money in the bank, then you're sad because it's she's tearing up and it, she says she has to go away, and then you're confused again because you don't know why you think it might be an injury or, or something, and then she reveals at the end that she's pregnant. Just a real emotional ride, and that's a, you know that's what they were going for, and, and they did a great job with it, and uh, it, it made storyline sense. She explained that Asuka is someone who's you know always kind of had her number a bit. You think back to the Royal Rumble last year when Asuka beat her on mm -hmm. that same pay per view that Becky won. So uh, yeah, it, it was just uh, well done all around, and, and you're happy for everybody involved. And uh, yeah, I, th I think everything played out the right way. Yeah, it was just simply. Like I said, it was completely well done. The reaction of Asuka in character was so genuine. And then with when Becky's saying, hey, you go be a warrior, I'm going to be a mother. And that being the announcement as opposed to, hey, everyone, I'm pregnant. You know, something corny like that. It was all handled as the man, as the character of Becky Lynch, not just the person of Rebecca Quinn, as you mentioned her real name. So I loved that. The aspect of the title inside of the briefcase you would think that when Asuka pulled it down off the ladder, she would feel the heft 
of it and would be really curious what the hell is going on. Maybe it would clang a little bit. I don't out, know. That's that's out, a, that's a bit much. That's a I know, no, I know. I, I'm not trying to rain on it. I'm just saying, but suspending the disbelief, okay, she didn't know what was in there. And that allows, rather than her relinquish the title and WWE have to do a tournament, which, candidly, they don't have that many quality women on the Raw roster right now to do a legitimate tournament uh, where a winner would be Baszler or Asuka. So rather than do that, they thought it through and they said, you know what? We're going to have the Money in the Bank match anyway. Let's throw the title in the briefcase. Let's surprise Asuka on Raw. It worked extremely well. I thought one thing that was a little uh, not great, I was I was glad that everyone was so happy for her. But the last thing you want to do as a pregnant woman during a pandemic is have 30 people surround you, you know, and hug you and kiss you and all that. So I thought that was a little bit, you know, unique and maybe not the best booking decision. Um, but the moment with Vince McMahon backstage, I thought was pretty sweet. And it seems like they do have a legitimately great relationship. So this was just a home run. Um, you know, segments like this are, are generally sad because Becky Lynch has held the title for 399 days. That is the second longest title reign in modern history, only behind Trish Stratus. Uh, that's basically since 1993, since they brought the women's championship back and um, Alundra Blaze won the title back then. So second longest reign uh, in the modern era. She basically beat every single challenger she had on Raw. Um, and, you know, she kind of goes out as the biggest women's wrestler in the entire business. The question is, obviously, when is she going to come back? We don't know that. That's TBD. But when she does come back, you have to imagine that her music hits, and you hope by then that there's we're back in arenas and there's crowds, and the place loses its, loses its freaking mind, man. I mean, it would be incredible. You know, it'd be incredible. Even if she shows up at Mania next year and it's not even in a match, but she's just there, right? And obviously, that's 11 months. So it would be very soon after she has the child. But just a, a moment like that, that music hitting in L.A. again, I don't think that, that Mania is going to happen in L.A. But if it did, you're talking about a, a roof blowing off something that would if it had a roof, which I guess that stadium probably won't uh, or at least it won't be closed during the, the pay-per-view if it is there. But I'm rambling here. My point is that the Becky Lynch segment was great. Um, I thought she went out as well as she could have. And I thought Asuka reacted and played it off as well as she could have get going from happy to sentimental and then happy again. It was just to kick off a show like raw where the ratings have been down and money in the bank. I didn't love the finish. I know you did, but I didn't. Um, it like rejuvenated my interest in the product that like, Hey, they can book smart when they really want to. Yeah. So going back to, to, to Becky, you get the sense from her that she does. It will come back. You know, this isn't a, Maybe a, a Bella situation where they're kind of retired or Trish you know, get yeah. get pregnant and yeah and, and they're done. I mean, she was very, you know, kind of you could tell torn up about stepping away at this moment in her career and reflecting on how far she'd come right there in NXT at the Performance Center. So uh, you, you get the sense that she does want to come back at some point. And that will be incredible when it does. And uh, yeah, I think this made perfect sense. You don't want to have a Money in the Bank ladder match and then have a tournament and then figure out something else. Clearly, like you'd said, they had planned this out. And I, th I think it worked out great. Asuka is more than believable as a champion. And, and she wanted fair and square. She's beaten Becky before. So I, I think this all makes perfect sense in, in, in the storyline. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm excited for whenever she comes back now. But this opens up now. A, a lot of possibilities here because of, uh, like you said, Becky had beaten everybody. Now it kind of resets here. Maybe, maybe we get Shayna Baszler, Oscar stuff going on, or something like that. So I, I think there's a lot of possibilities where it can go, and uh, I, I'm excited for it. If memory serves, we never got that match in NXT. If memory right, serves, I, I don't think so either because Shayna she had a big feud with with Kyrie. I think Asuka, because Asuka left. Yeah. She never lost in NXT. No, she never lost. No, she never lost. Yeah. I, don't, yeah, I don't believe they ever fought. And if they did, it was it would have been a throwaway match on, on a TV episode, not a title match or anything like that. So, yeah, no, uh, I, I think that is an extremely interesting booking. And it really, it, it, the Asuka win at Money in the Bank makes even more sense now that you know the direction they were going. Because I couldn't imagine Lacey Evans standing in the ring with Becky and getting the title and just being like, smug Lacey Evans or like 
waving her face to calm the tears down, you know, and getting all Southern emotional or Baszler getting it. I mean, and just being the way she was tonight, which we will talk about very soon. It wouldn't have fit. Asuka being able to celebrate the title and celebrate Becky, it just made perfect sense. Now, there is some fallout here. Uh, We'll start with Asuka. She's the second women's Grand Slam champion in WWE history and now the only woman to win all four titles, Raw, SmackDown, NXT Women's Championship, Tag Team Women's Championship, the Royal Rumble, and Money in the Bank. That is an incredible accomplishment, an incredible resume, considering she's only been on the main roster for a couple of years. And I think I talk plenty about... I never call her buried, but they don't use Oscar right and they don't treat her well enough and she doesn't look dominant and a badass like she used to be. But let's be honest with ourselves. I just read off that list of accomplishments and were some of those transitional things? Like, did she have the SmackDown title at one point to transition it to Charlotte? Absolutely, she did. No question about it. But she still had that accolade. They still trusted her enough to give her that. They had a uh, women's tag team championship run for an extended period of time. She wasn't just a Royal Rumble winner. She was the first women's Royal Rumble winner. So this woman has accomplished a lot in WWE. And I think me included, a lot of people that think that Vince McMahon and WWE doesn't buy into her, doesn't get her. Well, you know what? Ever since the the brand split, something else we'll talk about later, uh, and she started becoming this green mist crazy Asuka alongside Kyrie Sane and now has transitioned from a heel into a jovial type of manic face. Uh, they get Asuka and they're treating her right. They're not forcing her to speak English. It's really working. So this was a big moment for Asuka, not just in the moment and in current WWE, but for her career. She is a now she is now a Hall of Famer in WWE. It's not like she wasn't before. But she has now cemented herself in WWE history, and I think that is commendable, and it's pretty great that we get to say that about someone who we constantly think is getting misused, yet now has this string of accolades that's incredibly impressive. You know, I had that exact same thought when I when I saw that she became a Grand Slam champion. If you include men, uh, there's only maybe a few who, have, right. who are up there. I think Roman and Seth are among them, if you include everything that's in there. Um, but yeah, you, you kind of have that feeling because of what we, of what I just said, Oscar and NXT never lost. And we didn't get that. We, we got that monster Oscar for a little bit uh, up until WrestleMania 34, when she lost to Charlotte in the title match um, and lost that streak without having had the title. Uh, so Things have bounced around so much, especially in the women's division for a while that, yeah, it doesn't feel like they've done right by her in a sense. But then when you when you rack up those accolades, maybe they have maybe we're looking into it too much or or, or maybe the or the flip side is maybe the titles just don't mean as much when there's not as much build behind them. I, I think that's certain cases depend on certain different people. So, uh, yeah, there, there's no doubt that she's not being buried by any means they clearly know what they have in her whether or not they've done right by her all the time i think is a perfectly good uh debate to have but uh yeah she she is now on her way to the hall of uh, hall of fame at some point and imagine she's still got a ways to go i i think it's as simple as they don't treat her with the same esteem on the main roster that they did in nxt not that they haven't given her all these accolades that we're talking about but they treated Asuka as an all-time historic women's wrestler, which she actually is mm-hmm. in NXT, whereas in WWE, she is just one of their many great women's wrestlers. She's another person who can be built up to lose to Charlotte. And, and I think that is where the distaste came from a lot of people, where she came onto the main roster with that undefeated streak, and they had the opportunity to build her up to be this epic, total badass, and they never... Did that, And then because of that, and since her winning streak was over, every, you know, subsequent loss didn't mean as much. She could lose a match to a Alexa Bliss punch and it's like, well, she doesn't have the winning streak, so it doesn't really matter, right? Where I think we want her to remain dominant. So I do hope this is a long title reign for her. And I hope that this is not something we're at backlash or even as soon as SummerSlam where Shayna just beats her for the title and Asuka's forgotten about it. She's a transitional champion. I do hope she gets a run with it because... 
I mean, you. I know you agree with this. She is one of the most entertaining things on WWE TV during this empty arena era. Um, now, moving on to the Money in the Bank. Well, one last thing. One last thing. I, I think I, I'm very curious to see how this reign, how long this reign will go, because in order to have a long reign in WWE, you either need to be off TV like Brock Lesnar or you need to be part of a lot of segments on the mic, open a show, close a show. That's what they've been doing with Bayley over on SmackDown for a long period of time. And clearly they they haven't, you know, Oscar hasn't been able to do that because they don't fully trust her on the mic when it comes to speaking English for a long period of time in a promo. So I'm curious, but but they were able to get away with it in NXT and do different things that are simply more than just talking. So I'm very curious to see how they handle this reign for that exact reason. That's true. Uh, I think with Oscar though, and you look at what's been happening recently, I don't think there's anyone else besides her that's been on every episode of Raw during this empty arena era. So, so, I mean, clearly they trust her to some degree. Now you're right though, to be champion and have it for a long time, you need to carry it in a certain manner. NXT fixed that because they did have an on-screen authority figure in William Regal who filled in a lot of those gaps during contract signing segments. And they did do some pre-tape stuff with with Asuka where it worked, where she did speak English. So you're right. It is a different dynamic. But, you know, I, I just, I, my hopes, my hopes are there that she has a long title. Same. Run. Me too. Um, now, what we have, what we have here is my biggest distaste for Money in the Bank. And it's not their fault. This makes sense the way they did this. So there's no hate on this. But we're, we have very quickly lost the experience of the Money in the Bank briefcase. And we are now stuck with Otis as the <laughs> as the other winner. You and you say stock, I say blessed. That's fine. You can say blessed. Uh, but with he is now the only person with a briefcase. There's one person. And to me, it kind of feels like another entire money in the bank pre uh, uh, pay-per-view with a wasted stipulation. Now I get it. The women's briefcase had a larger meaning than just the opportunity for a title. That's fine. But if you look at there's been four women's money in the banks in history. Okay, the last three have not even held it a single day. Okay, the last two cashed in basically immediately. uh, And this one, she didn't even have a chance to cash in because there was the title there. So of this match, are are you counting James Ellsworth in that? No, I'm not. I'm counting Bailey. I'm counting Bailey. Because he lost it after you lost it in one week, didn't he as well? Well, no, what happened was Ellsworth dropped it to Carmella and then they had another money in the bank on TV and Carmella won again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, they just redid it, kind of. But no. Right. But it go, it plays along to what you're saying. Yeah. Carmelo had the briefcase for a while. Uh, Bailey cashed it in last year immediately. And a lot. Oh wait, I forgot what year was which. Now I'm losing it. But I think Bailey last year cashed it in immediately, and then Alexa Bliss the year before yeah. cashed cashed it in immediately. Yeah. So so there's now three or four that have been less than 24 hours. So the women's money in the bank basically doesn't even exist. And as for the men go. Two of the last four men, and we're including Otis here, have been unsuccessful in the cash-in, Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin. And now we have Otis. And look, you can be entertained by it all you want. We already had this argument. We're not going to do it again. I don't think Otis is going to be champion. Okay, I don't think he's going to be world champion. So what you're basically talking about is, I don't know how long he's going to have it, but three of four, most likely, in my opinion, will fail cash-ins on the men's side. That is a bastardization of the entire point of money in the bank. So for me, it's pretty depressing to see it go down this way, where especially now what's happening with the relaxed brand split, which is a topic we'll talk about very soon, that money in the bank briefcase, if they just said, hey, these briefcases can go between brands, anyone is susceptible at any time to being cashed in upon, then all of a sudden it's exciting and and they have something going there. Honestly, if it was me, I would have like the raw women and the SmackDown women complain to Triple H and say, you know what? We want another money in the bank because she didn't actually get a contract and blah, 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 and put one on TV and, and give us another match and have someone else win the briefcase. So I just, I love money in the bank so much. The legitimate people who hold the briefcase for a long period of time, the Dolph Ziggler's, you know, the people like that, where it becomes a part of the gimmick and you wonder the Seth Rollinses, you wonder when are they going to cash it and are they going to win the title? It's an element of WWE that I love. And I feel like They've, they're kind of wasting it a little bit. So there is a way that Otis can cash in and win. And I saw a number of people mention this yeah. late yeah. last night into this morning. And that is he cashes in for a tag team championship match. Right. 
And I, I think he said something. I think he looked like he said that in interviews leading up to Money in the Bank. Now, given the state of the SmackDown tag team division, it seems like getting a tag team championship match would be a lot easier. You could pretty much just ask for it. But I, I, I'd be it's that's something I'd keep an eye on. And while it makes sense, I would be a bit let down considering what you would basically be getting out of the two money in banks for the, for what you said. I, I, I said this last night, but I'm in total agreement with you on wanting a money in the bank to go long, want it to become part of the gimmick, but not like a not like a king gimmick or something like that. So right. I, 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 I do understand your feelings there on uh, not getting much out of it this time. I, I think this time was obviously different but when you when you put it in the context of what's happened in the last number of years with the women's money in the bank you would like there to be uh be more and i get that and, and as for what the women can do moving forward i mean i think this would be a great time to do a a, a queen of the ring tournament and give them sure. a, num- a number one contender uh I, I always i'm always a fan of tournaments for number one contender spots they're so much better than someone pins the champion and they get a title shot which they do time and time and time again so um i don't you know, i i i don't know if that's happening or not, but I, that, that's, I think, something that would make sense in terms of other women wanting a shot right away. I would love that. I mean, anyone that listens to me talk about wrestling um, on all the areas and, and places I've done it, you know I love King of the Ring. The idea of Queen of the Ring, of the Ring I think, is great. Um, anything like that, even the interim NXT tournament they're doing right now for the Cruiserweight Championship, if they did something like that where it's kind of a round-robin bracket-style deal, I would love that too. So... I, I do hope that they use this to kind of build momentum in the women's division, give a lot of people opportunities. I think it would work out really well. The other thing I loved about this, in addition to, again, Becky played her part great. Asuka nailed it. Shayna Baszler went from zero to 60 on Raw. That promo that she cut backstage, crapping all over Becky Lynch's pregnancy. I could repeat it. I'm just going to play it. So listen to this. Shayna, excuse me. I wanted to get your reaction to the news about Becky's pregnancy. Reaction. How stupid do you have to be to get knocked up when you're the champion? Here's a fact. 10 out of 10 mothers will try to convince you that pregnancy didn't ruin their careers. You're trying to tell me Becky Lynch becomes the longest reigning Raw Women's Champion and throws that all away just to house some miserable parasite? (laughs) Imagine the man, barefoot, fat, on the couch eating bonbons. (laughs) Yeah, that kid's gonna suck. You know who the father is? I rest my case. I mean, her dropping that kid's gonna suck at the end of it was was just... (laughs) Was just absolutely awesome. Okay, so I, I laughed out loud when I heard that line. Th- this was a top tier promo from Shayna Baszler. I loved it. The character that she portrayed Monday Night on Raw—it's a word I cannot say on this podcast, but it is a four-letter word, and that is not really a character that I can truly remember a WWE woman having before. It is truly like the worst of the worst and just being this horrible human being, not not egotistical, not this, but that. And man, it was invigorating. I was like, wow, this promo is great. She cut another promo later where she crapped all over Natty and was like, hey, the Hart Dynasty is going to die with you. That was killer. And then they bring her into the ring to fight Natty. It was a, It wasn't long at all. It was a short match. She absolutely destroys her. And I said, oh, my God, everything they failed or they didn't fail, but they they bungled it a little bit with Shayna Baszler in the Elimination Chamber. It got boring and monotonous. What they tried to accomplish there, they succeeded accomplishing on Monday night. I thought Shayna was one of the stars of an episode. And by the way, this episode of Raw, fantastic. Like maybe the. I said AEW last week, the Dynamite, was the best episode of TV during this pandemic era. This episode of Raw was better. This is the my one of the best things I've seen in the last couple of months. I absolutely loved it, and I love Shayna Baszler. I would not go that far. I thought it was a, a B-plus Raw, which is among the better Raws 
probably one of the best Raws since this has been going on. I still liked AEW more last week, but this is a perfectly good episode. And as for Shayna, this Becky situation is the perfect reset for her because she loses that WrestleMania match to to Becky, and then we wonder where does where where does she go from here? There's nowhere to go. She doesn't win Money in the Bank, and then you're kind of just like, what's left here? So now Becky leaving. And Shayna giving her a kick out the door allows Shayna to get some of that heat back, which she did with that promo. And then she's got a whole new set of opponents to put, put her focus on. And yeah, it, w- it was a great promo. And this this is the time now, I think, to try to recapitalize and get Shayna back up to, to what she can be. And yeah, w- when that promo started, it was going a bit slow. And obviously, Shayna's not the best on the mic, but she really started to get a, a hang of it at the end. And frankly, I love when heels are jerks. It's yeah. so much better, like like not like sarcastic, like like Corbin all the time, but like legitimately being a jerk. And presumably, hopefully, you know, Becky was fine with it. I imagine she would be. But, you know, like because there was a number of years ago when, when Charlotte brought up Paige's uh, dead brother in a promo. And right. there's a lot there was a lot of, you know, other way around. But yeah, for that. Yeah. So yeah. I, but I'm generally fine with heels being jerks as you know presumably it's as long as it's you know approved by everybody involved but yeah i I liked it i was like it really got you kind of fired up and into it and and whenever becky comes back you're looking forward to becky shana at some point and and now you're looking forward to what shana is going to do with the way that raw ended yeah i mean it anytime a heel can truly be a terrible human being it's great and that's what she accomplished by the way if you have not seen her special on wwe network i forget which one it is it's a chronicle or whatever, but they just did it on Shayna Baszler. It's brand new in the last week or so. It's great. And it kind of doubles down on this type of character. So the combination of that is fantastic. What's interesting now, and we'll close on this when we talk about, you know, wrapping all this up and, and Becky not being around now for an extended period of time is WWE has now lost many of its biggest names in a very short period of time. Of course, we're going to start with Roman Reigns. Big dog. Uh, Becky Lynch now, presumably Brock Lesnar, at least until there's crowds. I don't think they're going to have him come to an empty arena raw unless ratings really tank and they feel like they need something to do. Um, presumably Seth Rollins at some point late this year into early next year when the child is about to be born will take time off to be with Becky and or paternity leave afterward. We also don't know at what point with coronavirus, Seth says, you know what, I can't keep traveling back and forth because I could keep exposing myself and then potentially get her infected. And I don't want to do that. So Seth Rollins, we don't know necessarily how long he's going to be on TV. I think that is something that people really need to consider. And then you look at, well, we haven't seen Kevin Owens in weeks. Granted, he also has a busted ankle and maybe he will be back. Sami Zayn as the intercontinental champion. First, he was out with wisdom teeth. Now, Apparently, uh, he doesn't seem to want to come back right now during everything that's going on. Apparently, reportedly, there's going to be some decision or announcement about the IC title on SmackDown this week. So WWE is kind of hemorrhaging some of its biggest stars, biggest names. uh, And certainly with Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch, it's biggest male and female draw in a single month. So when you see these ratings keep going down a little bit, Don't be surprised. I mean, there's no fans. Some of the top stars aren't there. And yeah, the storylines haven't necessarily been great. But to be fair, WWE Raw, if you watched that three-hour show and you maybe haven't watched in a while, I don't see how you don't get hooked again. You're like, I'm definitely watching next week. That's how good it was. So you may may have thought AEW was better. Dynamite, that's fine. That's a totally legitimate opinion. But this was so enjoyable and so good that hopefully they hook some people and now have some new momentum going forward because they needed it. Things started to get monotonous, but that was three really good hours of TV. Yeah, and and, and you mentioning all those folks that are gone has me wondering if at some point um, they bring in NXT folks just just to pop up on some some Raws or SmackDowns just to make some... uh, make some other points or whatnot because uh you know when, when they had that uh was it the snowstorm or, or the plane issue i think from saudi arabia that that's when they brought uh brought a bunch of folks in and did some did some fun stuff so everybody's already there in florida you know the nxt shows so it uh, wouldn't be hard to do but as for right now what, what they've got going on i think right now on raw at least 
uh, has been has been pretty good. Yeah, there could certainly be a couple people who either get shared with NXT or get early promotions or something like that. Um, but I do think, yeah, there is that opportunity. Uh, and it will be interesting to see what WWE does. I mean, look, candidly, if you have, and that's two candidly's today. I know I say it a lot, but I'm counting. That's two. Uh, if Matt Riddle drops the titles with Timothy Thatcher in NXT, I would take Matt Riddle. I would throw him on Raw or SmackDown immediately and just say, you're done with NXT. You're a main roster guy. And I would start building him into one of my top stars. That's what I would do. Now, there's a lot more that happened on Raw. So let's get to it because we talked a lot about Becky in that situation. Drew McIntyre. Um, he is, to me, in dire need of challengers. And I thought what we saw on Raw Monday night was both positive and negative toward that end. On the negative side, McIntyre comes out, challenges Andrade again for no reason whatsoever, beats the U.S. champion clean for a second time with a Claymore, where Andrade really should have been boosted into a top heel contender for the title. I would have preferred this match not even happen. Him get into a feud with someone else, lose the title to them, the U.S. title, and then immediately go into a program with Drew McIntyre, maybe even one that takes place at SummerSlam. But that said, that match was fantastic. And Drew McIntyre against Seth Rollins on Sunday and Andrade on Monday, back-to-back. That's two of the best back-to-back matches I can remember from someone in quite some time. Yeah, I honestly liked uh, Drew just coming out. You know, you don't normally see the uh, face interrupt the heel without the numbers and just start whipping ass. And and that's what he did. And he, I think he said, bring it bitches to them or something like that. I was like, it's kind of, I'm, I'm like, I'm like fired up about this. He's, he's an aggressive champion. Uh, it's not take all comers. It's go look for your own comers. So I was excited when they, with that whole setup, but you're right with the finish to, to beat Andrade clean again. Was, was not a fan of that. I was hoping for some sort of DQ interference, what have you, and kind of start to extend the story going on there uh, in terms of I didn't like how it finished, but I did like how it started. And I, I'd love to see Drew just doing this all the time, just finding folks and trying to start go kick some ass because that's what he wants to do. And I, I thought that fit with his character and uh, I, I liked the start of it. Didn't like the end of it. Don't really know where it goes now. That That's basically what my point was. It's not so much that he challenged him for no reason, which I do think there was no reason. And I always like there to be reasons. Um, but it was the finish. It was the fact that he's just decimated Andrade twice on TV. And it's like, well, A, Andrade is a singles champion right now. So maybe you shouldn't treat him that way twice. But also B, this is a guy who you would hope to be a main event heel very, in a very short order. And that I didn't love. But you are right. WWE has managed to build Drew McIntyre into that true powerhouse babyface, which is very difficult. It is it is very tough to get a guy into that position. It is something they have tried for years to put Roman Reigns in, and yep. he's still not there. Drew McIntyre in about, from Royal Rumble to now, is everything they've wanted Roman Reigns to be for the last five years. That is how good of a job Drew is doing. That's how much he's succeeding. And I will promote one more time. If you want to hear me talk to the WWE champion, Drew McIntyre, a couple episodes back uh, last Friday, I did a one-on-one interview with him for 20 minutes. It's on the getting over um, page or uh, feed, I guess is the better word. So go listen to that. There's also a great interview there with Aleister Black. But after this segment with Andrade, Drew grabbed the mic. And this is what I thought was maybe the second worst part of the entire show. Drew has been very solid on promos. So this is a legitimate criticism, but they just had him announce a quote unquote brand to brand invitation without any explanation, without even it fully being understood. That's what he said. It's clearly what they're going to be calling this thing because Tom Phillips said the same words in the third hour of the show, brand to brand invitation. I get what they're the concept they're going with, but for Drew just to kind of spout it out without there having been a story or an announcement on the show or even anything on social media was very strange because he just says, hey, you know what? This guy that we all hate, this piece of shit, King Corbin. And by the way, Drew also almost said the F word legitimately. I think he actually <laughs> caught himself in that. Um, but this, this piece of shit, Baron Corbin, King Corbin, he's going to be on Raw next week and I'm challenging him. And it's just like, wait, what just happened? But I don't. we don't need to talk about the promo. I want to talk about the quote-unquote 
brand-to-brand invitation. We have Corbin, who's going to be showing up on Raw. We have Charlotte Flair, who's going to be showing up on SmackDown. We also had the Iconics. We'll talk about them in a bit. But they're a SmackDown team, a a talent, uh, show up on Raw. Of course, we did have the Women's Tag Team Champions on Raw as well. But that is a in kayfabe, in canon, a title that does switch between brands. So that was totally cool. Um, And as I did mention, Tom Phillips mentioned it later once again with no explanation. So, Chris, we have the brand to brand invitation that is now happening. And it is no question a version of the wildcard rule. But it seems to be a more relaxed, less intense um, version that we maybe don't have to shit on as much. That's that's the hope. Uh, you know, the way I look at it is that ratings were declining. Uh, WWE has a limited number of superstars at its disposal each week due to coronavirus. And they just decided, hey, let's set into motion some type of talent sharing that doesn't fully disrupt the brand split because we know the fans like that and they didn't like the wild card rule. But at the same time, we need to do ourselves a favor and make sure that we don't have um, Akira Tozawa wrestling on three shows a week. Not Nothing against Akira Tozawa. Or Denzel Dejournet wrestling as a jobber on every single show. And I, I can't blame them, man. Like, I hate I hated the wild card rule. I always will. It was terrible. But... It, it wasn't the wild card rule that was bad. It was the fact that they didn't stick to their booking. They said, hey, as many as three people each week. And the next week it was seven. And we only saw the same people in main event feuds and mid card feuds for months on end. And half the roster was not being used. In this case, I'm not overly concerned that that's going to happen because of how dire the circumstances are for their roster. So because of all of that, I'm a pessimist by nature, you guys know, but I'm going to accept this and understand the circumstances and say, you know what? I get it. Don't screw it up. So the thing about the wild card rule, like at least they like announced it and had a, <laughs> had a formal announcement and explained it. They didn't stick with it, but this is where you'd like that announcement uh, more than just a, a promo after a match. Um, but when you don't really have authority figures anymore, it's kind of hard. Uh, but you're, I mean, the, the, uh, it makes sense why they got to do it. Um, being so limited on different people, call it whatever you will. I, I think in this moment, people are going to give them a pass for that. They're, I don't think people are going to be so fixated on different brands and who's doing what and why. They kind of realize that there's not a lot that they have available. So, yeah, it makes sense. We'll see. I mean, McIntyre versus Corbin, Fine, we'll see where that goes, but we'll see more over the weeks. But you got to do it. Ratings are down. You don't know who you got. Uh, Desperate times, desperate measures, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and I think it's fair to commend WWE for the way that they did handle the brand split starting in October when, you know, SmackDown moved to Fox and they had the draft the following week or a couple of weeks later. And they basically said, look, we're going to keep these separate because we know the wildcard rule sucked and this didn't work out the way you guys wanted. And in the seven months... Since then, they've done a very commendable job keeping the roster separated. And every time they, there needed to be a switch or a change, they provided a storyline reason for it. And I accept that and appreciate that. So I'm not saying WWE's booking has been incredible over the last seven months, but in terms of a major mistake that they made, the wild card rule, they rectified it in a major way. I mean, let's not forget, we just mentioned. Two of their biggest stars, Becky Lynch and Roman Reigns, are no longer there. They just released two dozen superstars. A lot of them either weren't being used or, you know, were just extra and from a bloated staff. But nevertheless, they lost a lot of people that they could have utilized in this circumstance. Um, you know, Roman dipped before Mania for great reasons because his wife just gave birth to twins and he wanted to make sure that everything was copacetic and, and you know, he didn't get her sick by contracting coronavirus or anything like that. Becky Lynch is leaving because she's pregnant. But those are your top two stars. And they needed to figure out something they could do to fill five hours of main roster programming and keep people interested in the show. So I look at it as a relaxed brand split more than a wild card rule. I know there's going to be the pessimists out there screaming that WWE didn't learn their lesson. I disagree. I think WWE completely learned their lesson, but they're looking here and they're like, you know what? Our back's against the wall. We got to do something. 
and this is the route that they went. So it's, that was an interesting point actually fine. you made. About, uh, that was an interesting point you made about the number of people who were let go here and. Are, are those bodies you could use at this time instead of doing this absolutely know, f- financially whatever you want to make of their situation but I, I I think I think long term this is gonna hurt like I don't you know a Corbin's good at drawing heat but I don't want to be seeing Corbin twice a week and 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 back to that point where he was anchoring a show again and but you know we we've seen with Selena Vega and those people they've tried to give some new people some shots at different times feels like if you had a lot of those people around, uh, a Drake Maverick and EC3, this would have been a great time to do something with them. Uh, but clearly they're going to go just, you know, with, with the smaller pool and share things around and we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I'm not excited for them to, their big announcement is that Baron Corbin is going to be on Raw on Monday night. I mean, if, if Drew had come out and said, look, I just beat one of the best wrestlers in the world in Seth Rollins. I want... Daniel Bryan. And you told me next week, randomly, I'm getting Drew McIntyre, Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I'm all in for that. And I'm, you're getting me to watch if I'm not otherwise watching. So I get it. Corbin's a heel. Maybe Drew could have said something a little bit better. Like, hey, I saw the way you carried yourself during the Money in the Bank match. Not and caring. Murdered and almost yeah, murdered not caring people. for the lives of two of your competitors. I'm not going to stand for that here. I demand you come on Raw next week and answer that. And then... Corbin later in the show goes, yeah, I accept that. You know, hell yeah. And now you have a reason for him to be there. For him to just say, I heard this person challenged me and blah, blah, blah. This guy sucks. You all hate him. But don't forget, he'll be on Raw next week. So why don't you tune in? That doesn't do. So so look, Drew's been great. He's been near near perfect, honestly. That, pro, that promo didn't work. And WWE's booking of the quote unquote announcement, if you can even call it that, of this. Just kind of making believe it's part of WWE canon when it's not, and to your point, they announced the wildcard rule in horrendous fashion when Vince McMahon did that. We expect now, these days, for to be told what's happening. And for them not to do it, they didn't put a story on the, on the website. They didn't do anything on Twitter. It, it, it's, it treats the fans like idiots, and I don't really like that. So I'm cool with it. I'm cool with them doing it, but they could have done it far better in terms of the announcement. Now, we'll wrap up Raw with a couple couple quick hitters here. Uh, we'll start with in the main event. Randy Orton comes out. Uh, we were kind of curious what the hell they were going to do with Edge and him going face-to-face again. It felt unnecessary. And I think ultimately it was, but he comes out, he feigns acceptance that, or- that uh, Edge is the better man. And then he pops back in the ring and says, you know what? You may be b- the better man, but you're not the better wrestler. So I'm going to challenge you to a wrestling match, a pure wrestling match at Backlash. And he says, no chance in hell that your grit and your passion is going to help you now. Edge is standing there looking stunned. Like he cannot believe someone whose ass he kicked is challenging him to a wrestling match. What? You came back to WWE. What did you think you were going to do? You were going to wrestle. So Edge is there flabbergasted. And then Charlie Caruso... Pops out out of nowhere, shoves a microphone in Edge's face and kills the entire segment, which was already not good. If this happens, I think this will be the greatest wrestling match ever. First of all, no, it effing won't. B, why are you even saying that? Why are you in the ring? Who booked that? Why did that happen? The segment wasn't good as it was. Edge kind of staring off into the distance without Charlie, at least would have ended the show on a note where you're like, that was weird, but I wonder what's going to happen. Instead, every single person I know laughed their ass off at that and was like, what world are you living in where you need to say that? And why would you ever, why would anyone ever book that line for her to say? So a really good show. I thought this was an A episode of Monday Night Raw with 129, sorry, let me correct that, 179 great minutes of television and one total piece of crap. And that was the piece of crap. I actually rewound it to see where Charlie was. Cause I, I was like, did she start the segment out? Did I miss something when, when she popped up out of nowhere? I, I did not realize that this was a interview segment going on, but here, Hey, you got to give it this. It literally is backlash. 
<laughs> right, it is. We, do, yeah. we, 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 we talked about last night how we, Backlash should be after WrestleMania. Didn't make sense. Well, this technically counts. This is what Backlash is. It's Orton Edge Backlash. My my yes. general yes. my general reaction to all this was I'm I'm done with Edge Orton. Like they, they gave us a good couple of months, but you end on a last man a forty something minute last man standing match. Like that's it. Like you can't go anywhere from there. And of all people, Randy Orton to challenge someone to technical wrestling match just it it didn't make any sense. Not that Orton's a bad wrestler, but it's not like a Daniel Bryan situation. Well, no. And, but- he treated it like it was a stipulation. That's what normal matches are. They're wrestling matches. I mean, well, I, I got the point. Well, I got the point. What you're saying. I actually thought the promo was pretty good. I, it was. I think Orton's, it was Orton's, Orton's best promo work really has been w- w- with Edge. But yeah, overall, I'm just like, I'm, I'm done with this. I, I hope this is like a 15 minute match of backlash. Do not make this 20, 30 minutes. Because to me, my sense was they know they kind of messed up at WrestleMania and they want to end this feud on, on a, on a better note, but I'm done. Edge is back. We get so little of edge. I'd like to see him in wrestling, some new people, some other people. You know, I, I'd love to see him against drew at some point. Like let's do some fun stuff with edge. Now he's back. I don't want another month of Randy Orton promos. People doing promos when they're not around anymore. It's it's just so opposite. It's like, I've never, I don't think I can ever remember a regular mess wrestling match being the blow off to a feud. It's, hey, you have two or three wrestling matches and then you have a last man standing false count anywhere match or something like that. And that's your blow off. So it's it's completely reverse. It's so weird for quote unquote wrestling match to be stipulation. He said wrestling more on TV in that segment than I think has been said in years on WWE. Yeah, no, I'm surprised you didn't challenge him to a sports entertainment like, match. Yeah, like I'm the best wrestler and we're going to have a wrestling match. And, you know, it was just really weird. But you're right. The promo was actually good for Morton. But just the storyline of it, man, for that to have been in the main event with everything else that was great in that show, it just was really disappointing. I honestly would have preferred the Seth Rollins stuff to be in the main event, both in terms of what happened in the ring and then immediately going backstage because Seth Rollins, you want to talk about Shayna Baszler doing good character work on Monday night. Seth Rollins was next level. He was absolutely demoralized and depressed in the backstage segment and on the way to the ring. He must have been like just sticking out his stomach. He had like some somehow he made it look as if his muscle tone in his chest kind of disappeared. His hair was disheveled. He was a total mess. He was unresponsive as Murphy was trying to tag him into that match with Aleister Black and Rey Mysterio. And then like Mysterio hits him or something and he snaps, snaps out of it, goes totally insane, sees Red, pokes Mysterio in the eye, then tries to jam his eye and succeeds, I guess, in kayfabe into the corner of the steel steps, pushes Murphy away. Then they go in the backstage area and and Rey's getting tended to. Rollins is like, I don't even know what happened. He comes to apologize. Aleister Black and Murphy start fighting, but like now you have Rollins who's like not just where he has this like mental state where he believes he's the Messiah and all this stuff, but where he got so demoralized by losing to Drew McIntyre and shaking his hand that he's become this now truly insane person. I I didn't think that they were going to go further with this coming out of Money in the Bank, but somehow Rollins has taken it to another level. That segment, the thing with Rey Mysterio it was top notch. Like it was great TV. So I like the beginning and I like the end, but I had a lot of confusion in the middle. One, are we supposed to assume Seth is like this because of the money in the bank? Because last we saw him, he was shaking somebody's hand and demoralized, but he was demoralized. And yeah, but I, it, he was, but on the heels of what had happened to open the show, you couldn't help but think, is this have anything to do with Seth becoming a father? And, and that, that was like 50% of what I was thinking throughout that whole thing is oh, like he was shocked by it. Like, it's yeah, stunning. whether, whether he's shocked or he has questions or he doesn't know, I, I don't know. I was just confused by the whole thing. Cause I, I don't know if it was made clear enough that he was distraught over the match. I think commentary probably could have sold that a lot better because I was unsure of what to think. So I, I thought he did a great job of that non-responsive, standing on the side of the ring. I thought that was great. It was captivating and everything. Then I was a little confused. Why was that a DQ? He he literally just 
he was yeah punch agreed. the guy in the match. We're in the middle of a match, and that ref rang the bell quick. It wasn't like a, a chair. I feel like they could have just done a, a chair shot, a foreign object, something to like lead to a DQ. But literally, just I think he threw him against a ring or the barricade or something. It was a DQ, and it took me out of the moment for a minute because I was very confused. And then the beatdown was was good, and the eye stuff, and then explaining what happened afterward by the ambulance. That was all good. I was just confused in the moment why it was a DQ. And it kind of took me out of things. I was a little confused what was going on. No, I think that's fair. I don't think they should have called DQ. I think they should have called DQ when he was jamming his face into yeah. the steel steps. Yeah, yeah So yeah. I agree with that completely. Maybe there was a incorrect um, moment. Maybe they screwed up. And I, I could definitely see that happening because you're right. In a tag team match like that, even if the other partner interferes, usually there's some leniency. You know, for a short period of time, you, you have to use a weapon or you have to be in the ring too long or you have to not listen to the referee's instructions. It didn't seem like it was that drastic to call a DQ. So you are right. That was messy. Um, but the immediacy of him attacking Ray the way he attacked Ray, it made me just kind of go, oh, okay, that doesn't matter. This is so great. It's fine. So I was okay with it. I am, I was, like I said, I was captivated by Rollins. I am very curious to see what happens next week and where this goes. And maybe there is an element of the pregnancy that they factor into it. Um, maybe during an interview, he goes, you know what? Like, I had a low point in my career and a high point in my life, and I don't know how to deal with it. Maybe something like that happens, but I just absolutely loved what Rollins did on Monday night. By the way, just Rollins related, someone on Reddit synced up Kanye's Jesus Walks to Rollins' entrance from Money in the Bank. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not saying it's good. It's not good. It's perfect. Like, you have to go and seek this out. Some of like the beats and some of the, the words in the song hit perfectly with some of the mannerisms that Rollins did on the way to the ring. I know they can't license that song, but man, it was incredible. So please go to Reddit, go find that. It's great. Uh, moving on here. I loved MVP on Monday night. Uh, this is exactly what we talked about coming out of Money in the Bank, where we want to see MVP recruiting people and building an actual stable. And MVP being backstage, basically propositioning Bobby Lashley coming out of Money in the Bank. And then sh walking by Lana, shitting on her, getting her to scream. They seem to be using MVP to help actually finally turn Bobby Lashley into the monster heel that he always should have been since he returned to WWE. I love that Lashley's being built up strong. I hope that he is a challenger for McIntyre sooner than later. And I love that WWE during this really strange time is going back to managers and groups slash stables which are such an easy quality device to you, you know, create storylines through an entire show, have multiple people challenge the same champion from one group. Everything with MVP and Bobby on, on Monday night, and these are not, especially Bobby, not someone I've really credited much over the last couple of years. I loved it, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. I, I say this every week, but I, I want more MVP on my TV. He, he's yeah. killing it. He's, he's the best talker. I think they've got just in terms of conversations backstage and on the mic and what have you, and he's killing it. And this is this is going to be throw it back a little bit. This is the uh, the 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 reunion a bit of the beatdown clan in TNA back in 2014. You had MVP Kenny King and Bobby Lashley. Uh, they were part of the the formation of this group. Later had Loki and Samoa Joe and Eric Young. And some other people uh, in it, but when I heard MVP say Lashley, I was like, I've heard, I've heard MVP like say this stuff before, and I, I went back and looked, and it was in the Beatdown Clan in TNA, a brief, uh, a brief short stable in TNA. But yeah, MVP as a manager is great. I'd love him to recruit new people every week, or, or, or even it, I, I, you know, Lashley's good. I hope he's not just with Lashley. He's talented enough where you can get him, and I think. You know, speaking of trying to cross over talent, like get him in as many segments as you can because he is adding to everything whenever he's on the screen. So I, I'm excited to see where it goes. Hopefully it's the end of Lashley Lana and that nonsense that never went anywhere. Uh, this is what you need. You need a hype man. Bobby Lashley was good when when he has a hype man with him and, and MVPs, I think, the perfect guy to do it. Yeah, and I do think uh, Lashley is capable on his own as well, but... WWE at least does not seem to think so. You're right. MVP is a really good addition there. I don't know about the Beatdown Clan or Impact or any of that, but if there is something and it was them and Samoa Joe was in it, man, it would be sick. Like 
six weeks from now, if they're in a major feud with Drew or something's happening, they're getting their asses kicked, and Samoa Joe just throws off the headset, comes down to the ring, they're all together. That would be so cool. But you do have MVP with Brendan Vink and Shane Thorne, which I, I just, I really hope that some type of swerve and they, they end up putting Ricochet and Cedric with them or they just go in another direction. Uh, maybe Apollo comes back and him and Lashley take out Vink and Thorne because that just, it doesn't fit. They're not very good. I, I don't like it. Um, but I, I am glad to see MVP getting this opportunity, like you said, and I was just totally entertained by that. Now, are you one of the people who is a massive, huge Iconics fan or no? I ask you that before we start this conversation. So I, I fluctuate. I really liked them as the champs until they were just never getting to defend it. And and they're, they're hit and miss to me. Sometimes I really like them. Sometimes I'm kind of, eh, but you know, the, 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 the Kayla, you gotta be joking me. Like there's there right. a lot of fun stuff they did. That was just like YouTube only. And I was like, this stuff's funny. Like put this on the show. Like they can talk and they can go. And so I was glad to see them back. Uh, I didn't like them saying that they didn't need the titles to prove how, good they were it, i know it wouldn't have made sense for them to come back and challenge and get a title match but i, I just i didn't like that line of saying we don't need the titles to prove this. everyone so, should always want the titles exactly yeah it, it for, for for a set of titles that needs a lot of building uh, still I, I didn't like hearing that line um but in general i'm glad to have them back because we need we need women's tag teams if we're going to have these women's tag team belts so uh yeah. i was plenty happy to see them back yeah, I think I like them very much, but you, you made a very good point. I like almost everything they do off of TV more than what they do on TV. And, and that yeah. includes not just their social media, but WWE social media, YouTube and Twitter. They cut all those post-match and post-segment promos mm -hmm. that they upload directly. And when they are able to speak for themselves and, and kind mm -hmm. of almost book their own stuff, they are wildly entertaining. I like them very much in NXT. I think some of the things they've added to their quote-unquote arsenal on the main roster, the Superman pose when they say iconic, I don't like that. Um, some, right, of the, some of the additional, like, I don't know the word. There's a, it, there's a certain term for the way they speak, um, or, or at least the way they spoke during their last run with WWE when they were, like, yelling and making noise on the way to the ring. That turns me off completely. But if you give me the iconics like you gave me Monday night, I like them. So, you know, my mind wasn't blown that they showed up like everyone else's who was were going nuts. Oh my God, the Iconics are back. But I like them a lot. I think you need more women on Raw. Uh, they're a good addition to Raw if they are on Raw. We don't really know. They kind of intimated on TV that the Iconics are now on Raw, but they are a SmackDown team as we know, and they're SmackDown uh, superstars. But is this, are they on Raw because of the brand versus brand, brand to brand, uh, I don't even know what it's called anymore. I lost it. What is it? The brand to brand invitation. Is that why they're on raw or are they on raw because they're now there permanently? Um, I don't know, but I like it. So I'm glad that they're back. They waited patiently very long for this opportunity. Um, and I hope they get a nice long run with the titles when they eventually win them from bliss and cross, which I think and hope and assume will happen. If not now, then maybe at Backlash or maybe at some point soon. Honestly, I did not know that was not a title match. I probably just wasn't listening close enough. I thought they won the titles at the end. I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. And then I was disappointed. So just like just like the Viking Raiders match, a couple, uh, I was like, oh, they just won the titles. And like, no, they didn't. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, because so, pin the tag team champions is the only thing that they know how to do to I know. build a tag team feud. That's what they keep doing on SmackDown. They yep. keep doing it on Raw here. It's like, do a tag team tournament, something to build a number one contender. It's the late, it's, 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 there's a lot of kind of lazy tropes that they use, but pin the champion is, is it's gotta be up there. And I, I think there's just, you gotta figure out better ways to do it. Challenge the champion out of nowhere, pin them immediately, get a title match, lose the title match. That's like yep. how it always goes. Yep. Uh, on that note, we'll get out quick because we were supposed to go 45. We're almost at an hour. You know what? The Viking Raiders with the karaoke, I thought was one of the worst things I've ever seen on WWE TV. This basketball thing I didn't hate at all. Uh, I don't know if I can parse why it was different. Maybe just the writing in, of the karaoke segment and the concept of them being in the car singing songs like that just didn't ring true at all to me. But this one of them being out of their element because another team forced them to be 
that rang home with me. And I did think it was legitimately funny. Um, it, Vikings, you would not expect to know the rules of basketball or how to play. The Street Profits were actually, maybe it's because of their involvement and how entertaining they are. I thought the segment, top to bottom, all the interactions, I'm not saying it was great TV, but wrestling's allowed to be corny and silly and stuff. Just like the Money in the Bank, there were parts of the corniness and silliness I really liked. This was some corniness and silliness that I really liked. I thought it was totally fine to be in this episode. I do want the tag team titles to be treated as real and legitimate and something that teams are you know, going after with all of their might. But occasionally you can do something like this. And I thought it worked. So I think I would have enjoyed it more if, and I, I've said this in a couple weeks, to keep going back and forth with what the Viking Raiders are. They're like kind of goofy Viking guys in the car, but then they're serious and they dominate tag teams. And then they're back to being goofy. And I'm just, I'm confused what the, the feelings I'm supposed to have when I see them come across my screen. Had they gone from carpool to basketball, I think I would have accepted it a lot more. Uh, it, it's just, they're, they're kind of just keep going back and forth on what their character is. The other thing, and it, it, we're kind of reversing our opinions here on <laughs> last night, money in the bank. I liked it because it was entertaining and fun. Don't worry about the details. And now, now I'm wondering, so the Viking Raiders are supposed to be Vikings who don't understand how things work. Are they time travelers from like the from like a thousand years ago? Well, or, no. Or, or, the were end they, the, the end of the segment, they were fooling them and he made all the shots. He, they actually do know basketball and they're very good at it. OK, so that I was OK. I was under the impression that they learned. No, no, no. He was like, we we let you win. And they're like, we, we, you didn't let us win. We beat you 74 to two. And he's like. No, 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 watch. And then he makes like seven okay. threes and a hook shot from okay, half I court and all that. I may have missed yeah, it. Yeah. I, I will say, though, that I laughed pretty hard when they threw the alley-oop pass and nearly knocked out the ceiling tile in the gym that's pretty high up there. Uh, so th th that did get me. But uh, otherwise, again, I'm just confused. If Viking Raiders are doing this kind of stuff, couldn't they just have lost to Cedric Alexander Ricochet a few weeks ago? Like, it, it's just weird kind of where they're going, and I'm not exactly yeah. sure I'm supposed to feel when I see them. Are they the supposed to be intimidating? Are they supposed to be fun? It's just it's changing week to week. The only reason I would say that that makes sense is because they are interacting with the champions, and clearly this will be for a title, I would assume, at Backlash, if not before. So that does make sense. It was just a situation where they probably should have beat Thorne and Vink and saved ricochet and cedric alexander yeah. from that yeah. considering you're actually trying to build these guys instead they've lost to you know vink and, and thorn and now the viking raiders and they're supposed to be this new exciting tag team but they're not really getting a lot of momentum they put them with uh, our truth who was also pretty ricky tonight and to me it was bad i mean it was really awful yeah. ashley ultimately so that's fine but it was bad and they looked great again but it feels like they're going nowhere so i do hope they find some momentum again but this was Again, it was a really good show of Raw. Maybe it, my expectations were just lowered and, and they over-delivered in such a major way that I'm putting it above Dynamite from last Wednesday. But I truly do believe that, uh, you know, thinking about it now and talking through it. I, I was fully entertained by three hours of Raw. Dynamite was great. Who cares? Who cares which one was better? Combine them. We got two of the best episodes of TV we've had in, on wrestling in, in months, uh, along with a pretty damn good pay-per-view. So I get, like I've said before, Chris, I get why people aren't watching wrestling, um, but if you are, especially if you watched the last couple of days, you got some pretty good wrestling. And, and now you can look forward to uh, the greatest match ever. Right. Next week on Raw, or sorry, at Backlash next month, the greatest wrestling match of all time. Look, we're not trying to be that here. We're just trying to be the greatest wrestling podcast of all time. And I think we have put a good iron in the fire toward that end. If you didn't hear it, instant analysis of WWE Money in the Bank. We taped that Sunday immediately after the show was over. That is on our feed. Friday show, interviews, 20 minutes each, one-on-one -on -one with Drew McIntyre, the WWE champion, and Aleister Black. Incredibly insightful interview with Black. One of my favorite interviews that I have ever done. We have a ton of wrestling audio for you already on the Getting Over feed. And then on Thursday, recapping AEW and NXT once again. I'll probably also talk about the Undertaker Last Stand documentary on WWE Network. First episode came out. Fantastic. We'll talk more about that. But Chris, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris 
Vanini. You can follow me at Silverstein Adam. Of course, follow the show at Getting Overcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to fine audio. Five star ratings and reviews. We put a ton of hours into this show over the last couple of days. Drop us a five star review. It takes a couple minutes. It's very, very fast. I would greatly appreciate it. And don't forget to tell your friends and family. That's it for today. You know how we say goodbye on this show. We try to do it the same way every episode. We got something going that's really big. Look in the video scope right now and tell them about Macho Madness. Tell them how strong it is. And tell them where we're going. Yeah. We into the Twilight Zone. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan's got no chance, does he? No. Does anybody have a chance against the Macho Man Raiders? No. Am I the greatest wrestler, past, present, and future that ever lived? Okay, now say goodbye. Say goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. That's a little rough, Randy. Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. And I am the roughest one in the sport. I am the number one wrestler in the world today. I will. I thank you, Randy Savage. Bye for now.